Welcome to the WTJX Newsfeed. In today's top stories, we speak with representatives of Liberty Virgin Islands who address telecommunication issues reported by customers. During yesterday's Senate Committee on Education and Workforce Development, lawmakers learned that the territory's unemployment rate may not be truly reflective of its reality. We speak with the Department of Planning and Natural Resources Commissioner Jean-Pierre Oriol on a grant they received from the Division of Fish and Wildlife. These stories and more on today's WTJX Newsfeed. From the Virgin Islands Public Broadcasting System Studios on St. Thomas, this is the WTJX Newsfeed with Marcelina Ventura Douglas. Welcome to the WTJX Newsfeed bringing you the latest news and updates throughout our community. During yesterday's Senate Committee on Education and Workforce Development, Chairwoman Senator Maurice James made inquiry with Department of Labor Commissioner Gary Malloy about his reports of low unemployment rates in the territory. One of my staff has did, did some really good research and provided me with a really good question, which is what is the difference between you three and you six unemployment rates? Because the U3, of course, measures people who are actively seeking employment, while the U6 doesn't include, for example, people who are not looking, or people who are underemployed, or people who are unemployed. And are we truly in the Virgin Islands looking at um, the rate that we should be looking at. And even when it comes to that, when I think about the participation rate, right, I think that that's also part of that calculation in rates. I'm not an expert, but is that 3% employment rate really reflecting what's happening on the ground in the Virgin Islands? I think that that's really the, the question. I'll do it as easy as I possibly can without getting as technical as I, I can. The, the unemployment rate in the territory right now is 3.5% territory-wide. And uh, in the St. Thomas, St. John district is 3.3% now. And in the St. Croix district, it's about 3.8% now. Which, and that is as of September. So there's a lag in what's happening. But the caveat is, it's between ages 16 and older mm -hmm. that are looking for, are employed, full-time or part-time, or actively looking for work. So there, there is the, the element that a lot of individuals are not included in this number because mm -hmm. they're not showing up in our system and our data. Okay, right, okay, so then, yeah, so then the information was right that the, we aren't including all those people for whatever reasons. We can't because um, we, don't, we don't have the information I, on them. As, but then, uh, but yeah, but then how, how does, the United States determine that, though, because I think they do. They determine participation rate, isn't well, it? The, how are we just not able to do that in the VI? Well, our participation rate, again, is based on the entire labor force. Okay. So, so you're looking at the entire labor force right now, as of September, mm -hmm. it's about 41,399 individuals. Okay. And then you're, you're looking at that against the entire population. Remember, our population was at 106. It's now down based mm -hmm. on the... The 2020 survey down to about 86. So when you're looking at all those individuals in the population, and they're talking birth to uh, to elderly, mm -hmm. I call it K to gray or pre-K to gray, 
Mm -hmm. You're looking at that entire population of how many people in there would be eligible for work. That's how that labor participation number comes up. And the last number that I, I can recall last in 2022 was it was about 49.5% labor participation rate for the territory. 49% isn't good at all. No, it's not. He, right. So it's easier to say 3%, 3.5% 3 unemployment, but 49% participation rate is not good. After seeing an influx of complaints about service quality, we spoke with representatives of Liberty Virgin Islands to address telecommunication issues facing residents in the territory. Senior Director of Communications and Corporate Responsibility for Puerto Rico and the U.S. Virgin Islands, Giovanna Ramirez explained why some customers are experiencing issues. As everybody knows, we uh, acquired the operations of AT&T back in uh, November of 2020 uh, for USVI. Um, and we've been in that transition process for at least three years. So in that time, we've been building our own systems because, of course, they have their own and we've been um, attached to the AT&T system. So that's why uh, customers still get billing or, you know, things like that, that are AT&T attached. So we have been building our own backend systems to be ready to then migrate the customers into our own customer management, um, IT, you know, software infrastructure. So that's what's been happening. Um, and then we started the process of migration, uh, maybe just uh, two, three months ago. Um, so right now we are in that process of migrating the customer from the AT&T system to our own system. Senior Director of Customer Experience and Service Operations, Alberto Sanabria, gave details on how customers can get solutions during the migration. There, there's definitely a few uh, actions that uh, customers must do to ensure that the migration process goes as smooth as possible. Uh, and the first one is to ensure that they always have the latest version of the operating software. Uh, if it's iPhone, right now iOS 17 is available, right? So we're telling customers to upgrade to the latest version. Uh, and we have uh, you know, website videos and tutorials for customers to know how to do that, right? In case they need any additional help. In the case of, of Android, uh, though it varies mainly by phones, for the most part, it's Android 14, the, the latest version. That will ensure that customers uh, uh, don't have to do that prior uh, post-migration. And some of the issues that sometimes customers face is that they need to make sure that they have that latest version. The other very important one, there are customers that have devices that are a little bit older, uh, particularly on the smartphone side, older Androids, older iPhones, for example, iPhones on the 6 uh, and below. They're considered not compatible with the new uh, core network that Liberty Puerto Rico has. So we have a free replacement for those customers. And we've been messaging those customers probably since the first quarter of 2023 uh, with the options they have. They can either take the free device or up to any other more premium device with a lot of good offers that we have right now in the market. Uh, and lastly, the third, the third category would be customers that have a device that needs a reconfiguration. Uh, so those customers, we've been asking them to come to store. Uh, so a person from one of the stores we have in the USBI can help them out with the reconfiguration. In our conversation, we spoke further on coverage issues outside of the migration process. Ms. Ramirez maintained customers are experiencing the same network from AT&T. It's the same network. That didn't change. So a lot of those issues with drop calls and the coverage um, complaints that, that we know uh, 
customers in the US EI have have to do with the challenges that we've had with several um, cell sites that we've been trying to set up, but we haven't got permits for. So that might have to do with it, not not really the migration, but more mostly just the, the network itself. Referring to complaints about the lack of coverage on St. John, Director of Commercial Sales for Liberty VI, Catherine Kling, responded. On the island of St. John specifically, there's one cell site uh, that right now is uh, was suggested. Uh, we have actually held um, a number of meetings, um, and it's a cell site that is going to be in the area of Coral Bay, right? So that cell site, once it actually is um, is functioning, right, um, and it, it will alleviate some of these issues. Now, keep in mind that St. John, um, by and large, is a national park, right? So we, there's many restrictions as to where you can actually build this type of equipment. Right, so we currently have three cell sites in St. John uh, for an island that you know is uh, very small. Uh, we are one of the carriers with the most equipment on the island, so that that is something that has to uh, be also said. And this will be an additional cell site that will alleviate the coverage areas on that particular area, which is considered a, a, a complete dead spot, not only for us, but other carriers as well. So. Um, we have also engaged, um, uh, for instance, the BIT as well as the uh, with our FirstNet partnership as well uh, to make sure that we push this through, specifically looking at the fact that um, uh, the network, the FirstNet network in particular, is one that addresses the issues that you were talking about for first responders, for the need to be able to communicate uh, in the event of an emergency. So that, that has been proposed. Uh, our network team is engaged on making sure this happens. We just have to make sure that we get the permit moved and uh, that we can start construction as soon as possible. But they, that will be the plan for St. John specifically. Um, in regards to the other two islands, uh, there's also construction uh, currently happening. In fact, um, more so in St. Croix at this moment in time. And um, those cell sites, um, there's, there's a few already that will be um, announced and will be on air um, on the early parts of 2024 and that will address the issues of coverage in specific areas of St. Croix. There, there will be a total of nine cell sites in the territory being erected uh, between now and 2025, which is um, excellent, right? So for, for, for a network to grow with such a speed and be able to do so much construction is a, is a great amount of funding, right? Being put through in our territory, which I'm incredibly happy being here for so long, right? So it's it's great to see how the network is growing and continues to improve. But um, the, we also have to be honest that um, the the more time it takes for permitting, the more these projects will be delayed. So we want to be able to move this along, but it's a partnership between us and the government officials and the entities that are involved to make sure that we're able to continue. Uh, to progress in the territory and improve the telecommunications uh, overall on the Liberty. Migrated customers that are experiencing problems are encouraged to contact Liberty's mobile customer service number at 833-641-3035 or visit any Liberty store in the Virgin Islands. Customers can also call 611 or 1-800-331-0500 for assistance during the migration. You're in the WTJX newsfeed. On Wednesday, the Department of Planning and Natural Resources announced that the Division of Fish and Wildlife recently received its first competitive state wildlife grant 
in the amount of just under $230,000 from the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service. We spoke with Commissioner Jean-Pierre Oriol to tell us about the grant. Last couple of years, we've just been trying to diversify our programs and trying to do a lot more assessments of of our flora and fauna species. And so uh, this particular opportunity, I think it came up just based on our conversations with some of our partner fish and wildlife agencies in the Southeast District of the United States. And, um, you know, we've been working uh, closely. And again, it's uh, Dr. Nicole Angeli and, and uh, her team and, and Dr. Sean Kelly of my fish and wildlife staff. You know, they've they've really just brought some attention to needing to do a little bit more, take advantage and capitalize off of more of our wildlife opportunities. And so this particular uh, opportunity that, that we're going after is is just one of those things that we're doing right now. Uh, there's a lot of our freshwater species that are actually connected to our marine, uh, our, our marine ecosystems as well. Um, but because of development, because of sedimentation, um, what we see is that they're cut off from their natural environment. And, and because of that, you've seen a decrease in the populations. And so uh, this award allows us to do some restoration, establishing those connections between our inland species with the marine ecosystems and and trying to restore uh, some of that stock out there as well. This weekend, the University of the Virgin Islands Sports and Fitness Center will be host to Paradise Jam. We caught up with Paradise Jam Executive Director Nels Hawkinson before the start of this year's event. Well, the uh, Paradise Jam is in its 24th anniversary, so uh, that's uh, pretty amazing to, be, <laughs> to begin with through, uh, you know, two amazing, uh, just life-altering uh, hurricanes, you know, uh, Category 5 hurricanes six years ago, you know, and, and now uh, they're running to COVID, and I think people are just tired of all of that stuff and just want to have some fun again. And we, you know, we were back, you know, last year, but this year is uh, even more special uh, with such great teams on the men's side, amazing teams on the women's side. You know, we have a Colorado who just beat uh, a few days ago, LSU ranked one in the country, NC state uh, just beat Connecticut ranked two in the country. So that means a lot of people will be watching, especially the women's games, as always, because uh, there are our better, uh, our better teams and schools uh, right now, at least this year, than the men's. So that's great news because all 24 games are on ESPN, and tourism uh, receives uh, 365 30-second uh, spots, basically 14 30-second commercials per game, you know, before game, during the game, halftime, and then the second half. So lots of lots of exposure for the territory. So people will take a look and go, "Hey, we need to take that next vacation. We need to honeymoon there." And that's what uh, you know. That's what we're really excited about and happy to be back. The Hampton University Pirates men's basketball team will participate in this year's Paradise Jam event. We spoke with Hampton University President Daryl Williams, who says his trip is more than just about basketball. Our team is one of uh, five or six teams that will compete and hopefully we'll do very, very well. 
But it's also an opportunity that I've been looking forward to for a very long time. And I would say it's both for professional and personal reasons. And so on the personal side, I have uh, a relationship or relationships with several people from the Virgin Islands who were in school with me at Hampton University in the 1979 to 1983 time period. And for the last 40 years, they've been telling me I needed to come and see the Virgin Islands. And so they still live here today uh, on some level. And we were really looking forward to come and experience the beautiful culture and scenery and everything that the Virgin Islands has to offer. So I'm excited about that. But on the professional side of things, Hampton University and the Virgin Islands have a storied history. And of course, uh, President Marone, who is from the Virgin Islands, was the first black president of Hampton University. At the time, it was Hampton Institute. And so historically, we've had a lot of students at the Virgin Islands. And today we have three, I think two of them are seniors and one is a freshman. When I was there from 79 to 83, I think we had a much larger enrollment of students from the Virgin Islands. And we seek to reestablish that very, very important connection. Your uh, dear departed uh, Governor Turnbull is also a graduate of Hampton University. And I could go on and on. And as we started getting ready for the trip, of course, we started looking up the alum that are here in the Virgin Islands collectively who got a degree from Hampton or spent some time at Hampton and the accomplishments that we have seen from them since their days at what we affectionately call our home by the sea is very, very evident that they've done what we talk about in our alma mater, allow your life to do the singing. And they have just made one ballpark accomplishment after another. And we're so very, very proud of them and what it says about Hampton University. President Williams spoke on the connection of Virgin Islands alum and Hampton's participation in this year's Paradise Jam. It's special for the university, but it's certainly very special to one of the young men on our basketball team. His name is Amir Nesbitt, and he is uh, a native of St. Croix. And so you can imagine what it's going to feel like for him to essentially play in front of his hometown crowd and to bring his university back to the Virgin Islands. So we want to do a shout out to him and say thank you to the Virgin Islands for producing such a fantastic young man, both academically and athletically. And hopefully that's going to lead to success. You're in the WTJX newsfeed. Senator Donna Fred Gregory will be hosting a follow-up meeting with taxicab association leaders and taxicab operators to discuss a draft bill which proposes to address the challenges that continue to affect the taxi industry in the territory. The meeting will be held on Monday, November 20th at 5 p.m. and will be conducted simultaneously on St. Thomas, St. Croix, and St. John in the legislative halls on the respective islands. All taxi associations and taxi operators are encouraged to attend this meeting. To view the draft legislation, go to legvi.org and search 35-0186 under bill tracking. The Virgin Islands Water and Power Authority will be conducting a water voucher distribution
to St. Croix residents who live in the areas affected by lead and copper in their water supply. The distribution will be held from Saturday, November 18th through Monday, November 20th from 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. The vouchers will be issued as coupons redeemable for bottled water at designated businesses over the next 90 days. Eligible residents of the affected communities are urged to pre-register at cleanwaterusvi.com to reduce line delays. Customers residing in LaGrange, Smithfield, Wheel of Fortune, Two Brothers, White Lady, Hannah's Rest, Camparico, Wim, and Stony Ground, your drive through only distribution is located in the parking lot adjacent to the Major Cummings Park in Frederickstead on Saturday and Sunday. Customers residing in Calcahoun, Mumbijoo, Barron Spot, Diamond West, Strawberry Hill, Zion Farm, St. John, and Mount Pelaire East. Your drive through only distribution is the John H. Woodson Junior High School on Saturday and Sunday. Customers residing in Grove Place, St. George's, Adventure Hill, Paradise, Mount Pleasant South, Williams Delight, Prophet, and Castle Burke, your walk-up-only distribution is the agricultural fairgrounds at the eastern entrance on Saturday, Sunday, and Monday. Customers from other affected neighborhoods may also walk up at this location on Monday as the other locations will be closed. Water coupons may be redeemed at the Market, Plaza East, both Pueblo locations, and at Blue Mountain Water. The website again for pre-registration and information is www.cleanwaterusvi.com. The Fortsburg 1733 Planning Committee is planning for the 38th annual pilgrimage and commemoration of the 1733 revolution by enslaved Africans on St. John. We spoke with one of the founding members of the commemoration committee, Sele Adiemi, about this year's ceremony. We will be uh, organizing the 39th annual commemoration of the, the revolution. Those of us who are going from St. Thomas, which will include myself and others, we catch a 9 o'clock ferry from Red Oak to Coos Bay. And then at 9.30, we'll, we'll meet with others who are already in St. John. And we have a nice little uh, ceremony, a welcoming and libation ceremony at the bay facing the water because that's where people came across to arrive in these islands. Dr. Akin Peterson, the, the nominee for Agriculture Commissioner, he gives um, he gives a presentation on the use of uh, traditional plants. We present a living history, uh, geography, culture, environmentalism, all of those kind of things. The observation will be held on Friday, November 24th, to register, interested parties can call 340-998-1792 or 340-514-0973. As we move in the news feed, we turn now to our regional report. The Federal Bureau of Investigations added a Haitian gang leader to its 10 most wanted fugitives list on Wednesday for the kidnapping and murder of American missionaries in Haiti. In conjunction with the announcement, the U.S. State Department says it will pay up to $2 million for information leading to the arrest of Vitel Home Innocent, who is reportedly known by his first name only. Innocent has already been indicted in the United States for the armed kidnapping of 16 Christian missionaries in 2021 and the death of missionary Marie Franklin and kidnapping of her husband Jean in 2022. 
The agency believes he is still in Haiti and would face a possible death sentence in the United States if he were ever captured and convicted of Franklin's murder. As we update the news feed, we turn now to the territory's weather forecast. Here's the latest look at your short-term forecast. I'm meteorologist Eric Weglars. At St. Croix, it's mostly cloudy today. Scattered showers will continue this afternoon. Temperatures will only climb into the middle and upper 80s. Winds from the east-southeast at 15 to 20 miles per hour. Gusts as high as 25. At St. Thomas and St. John, it's also mostly cloudy with scattered showers. Highs are similar in the upper 80s with winds from the southeast at 20 to 25 miles per hour. Gusts as high as 30 as we go towards sunset. Tonight features a few scattered showers early. Otherwise, it's probably cloudy after midnight. Lows will fall back into the upper 70s at St. Croix. Winds are a bit stronger from the southeast at 15 to 20 with gusts as high as 25. At St. Thomas and St. John, scattered showers will persist through midnight, then gradual clearing after midnight. Lows fall back into the upper 70s. Winds remain strong from the southeast at 20 to 25 miles per hour with gusts as high as 30. Saturday features any stray showers to bright sunshine through the afternoon. Temperatures reach the low 80s at St. Croix. Winds from the southeast at 10 to 15, gusts as high as 25. And at St. Thomas and St. John, any lingering showers will give way to mainly sunny skies through the afternoon, bit cooler too. Highs only in the low 80s. Winds remain persistent from the southeast at 20 to 25 miles per hour. That's the latest look at your short-term forecast. I'm meteorologist Eric Weglars. We are at the end of today's WTJX News Feed. I'm Marcelina Ventura Douglas. Join me every weekday at 5 p.m. Be sure to download the WTJX app. And if you missed a part of our news, listen to it on demand wherever you get your podcasts.